Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, Coach Jay here again with Shruti, and today we have a special guest, Olympia LaPointe. She's a real-life rocket scientist. She's a TED Talk host and author, and was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Hey guys, Coach Jay here from the Power Shift Mindset Podcast, and I'd like to talk to you about my personal coaching page, BeamMotivation.com. For over 25 years, I've been coaching in one form or another and absolutely love it. It's definitely a passion of mine. I spent 15 years coaching high school soccer and baseball and absolutely loved those years of my life. I've since gone on to get certifications at a level three USA archery coach, mental management and mental toughness certifications, and I've taken what I've coached in the sports world and applied it to life. Taking those same mindsets and skills for life coaching, getting balance in your life. That same mindset that you might take to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning is what you're going to take into that board meeting, into that sales pitch, and even in dealing with situations within your family. If you need any form of coaching, whether it be for your athletic endeavors or for just balance in your life, please check out BeamMotivation.com. You can also find me on Instagram at BeamMotivation as well as Facebook at Beam Motivation and Coaching. Once again, this is Coach Jay from the Power Shift Mindset Podcast and BeamMotivation.com. Hey guys, Coach Jay, and here once again with Trudy Sedana. And today we have a special guest, Olympia LaPointe. Uh, she's a TED Talk speaker and author. She's uh, worked for NASA and a long, long laundry list of things that she's accomplished in her life. And Olivia, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm thankful to be on your show. Thank you for having me. So, so going uh, with the the schooling, I, I was looking at, on some facts about you through Wikipedia, and like I mentioned in our pre-discussion of the show, you had a lot of uh, setbacks. And for all your achievements, I have a, a coach that I coached with who I, I always joked how his whole family needed those plastic hamster balls to keep them all safe. And with, with all these events that you happened, just on the education aspect, how did you not ever say that, wait a minute, this is a sign that I shouldn't be continuing my education because it seemed like they all happened around educational facilities or while you were doing something. And so just that mindset of something's telling me not to be here. How did you continue to get as high as you did education-wise? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I have accomplished a lot in my career. I helped uh, launch 28 NASA missions into space and wrote books and educational books, science educational books. And I went through a tough time in school. <laughs> I went through probably uh, everything from, uh, from high school, not even before then, everything from elementary school all the way through college, I went through a lot of struggles in school. And it, I, I was determined to finish with my degrees. And I have a bachelor's and master's degree in mathematics from California State University Northridge. And I went through a lot of struggles going through school. Uh, one of the first struggles I went through uh, was poverty. Um, a lot of students faced this and I was one of them. Um, I was a uh, child that went to school, had uh, had very little food at home, and I would go to school for a meal. And so school was the place that I would go to for a break. 
a break from the chaos that I was experiencing in the outside world. I grew up in South Los Angeles and there it was complete chaos where it was uh, drug deals that right next door to my house. If you watch my TED talk, you, you hear about the story where I talk about that. Uh, there was a uh, poverty, there was uh, um, gang violence and it was uh, a successful trip if you could get to the school from your front door and that's how that's how it was and once we were at school it was kind of like a little bit of sanity was there and so I always looked at school as a way as a, an ability for me to learn and my mother always told all of us growing up and she had four children and she was a single mom she told all of us that the only way to change our lives and get out of poverty and get out of a situation where we had little opportunity is to get an education. And hearing my mother tell us that was almost like it programmed me to know no matter what type of obstacles in which I was gonna face, the number one goal was complete my education. Because in my mind and from what she told us, that was the only way to change our situation because she was coming from a situation where she did not have a higher education at the time. And it caused her a lot of trouble and pain and struggle because she didn't have the degree, didn't have the documentation that would show she was smart. She is one of the smartest women I think I've ever encountered. And at the time she did not have her uh, associates in an arts degree. She later on went back to school at nighttime and took me with her. And when she did that, I saw the power of ed education. I saw how my mother was being transformed with it. And I decided to go on that same path. And no matter what type of obstacles I faced, I was going to finish my degree because I knew from my early upbringing that that was going to change my life. Wow. That's so inspiring. And for you to have the attitude that you do and what you're doing, what you've done with your life, it can inspire others to transform their own life, even with the setbacks that they've had or the traumas that they've gone through. You are like living proof that you can change your life and you have the choice. And yes. I know that you wrote the book, uh, Answers Unleashed, well, you wrote several books, but Answers Unleashed, The Science of Attracting What You Want. So tell us, you know, what inspired the book I know your journey but also what's a question that you get a lot from people that people just want an answer to they're like you know Olympia how do I do this or how do I manifest like what's the most um uh popular question you get oh oh that's a, that's really good the most popular question I get is how did you make it out of the hood <laughs> <laughs> how did you make it out of the hood I mean we, thankfully, we're seeing people who also do that, like Jennifer Lopez is the person that does that. And she's a brilliant, a minded person who, when it comes to, to uh, creating uh, opportunities for herself. And I truly believe that when we are placed in the toughest moments as a young adult and, and even a kid, that gives us almost like the mental power to overcome any situation if we decide to do it, if we decide to do it. And the reason why I wrote my book, Answers Unleashed to the Science of Attracting What You Want is that I realized I got through 
every single tough situation. I mean, you, I, you name it, I've gone through it. And that's why I can really relate to my audience and the people that tune in and the people that go to my answersunleashed.com site is because anything and everything I have gone through, <laughs> I can relate to people and understand you can get through things. They say that the best healers are the people who have walked in your shoes. I'm going to take it a step further. The best healers are people who heal themselves and inspire other people to do the same. And through our decision-making ability, we have the power to change our lives. And it's the power of free will that we each have, but we're never taught how important our power is in making decisions. And when we learn that we have this power, no matter what happens, we have a choice on how we're going to respond. No matter what happens, we have a choice on how we go for simple medical attention, how we go for education, how we decide to keep uh, just, just to keep calm in the sh- most stressful moments. When we realize that we have a choice, we turn on our frontal brain lobe. And when we turn on our frontal brain lobe, that turns off the fear. And when we turn off the fear, we turn on answers. Yeah, no, that's, and it's so true. I I actually studied NLP work and hypnosis. And one of the things that our, our teacher taught us was also like a spiritual aspect to it, but he said, ask yourself questions like, uh, what is it? A statement closes the mind, a question, uh, opens your mind. So you have to keep asking yourself, like, what am I learning? What am I learning from this? What do I want? And then focus on what you want, what you don't want. Both are going to happen. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, in my book, I talk about quantum entanglement and how we can become entangled with ourselves, meaning um, whatever is observed gets changed by the observer and the observers change by what they're observing. Like, for example, if like Schrodinger was a scientist that talked about this. If you look at a microscope and you look at what's in the, the dish underneath the microscope, that whatever you're looking at changes simply because you're putting light to it and you're looking at it. Anything that is observed gets changed. So in my book, I talk about sometimes we have to observe ourselves so we can change ourselves. Absolutely. So with that thinking, uh, let's say, take, for example, um, I, I loved science since the age of six years old. I went to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and I talk about this in my TED talk. And I went to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and I saw uh, these beautiful engines. Now I'm a person that just loves machinery. I am a person that, I mean, anything that like, give me an engine, let me open up a car hood. I am like, I am like all over that metal. Wait, wait, but in any case, what I what I learned when I was six years old, because I love creating things. I love solving things. I love finding answers. I love science. And so what it, I realized in my life, how I got out of the hood is that I had to see myself out of the hood. I had to see myself as a scientist. I had to observe myself and what I wanted to do. And therefore, when I observed myself by what I wanted to do, then I, at that young age, was changed permanently by seeing what my potential could be. And it was from a simple field trip. 
when we start envisioning exactly where we want to be instead of where we don't want to be, but rather we start envisioning where we want to go, we then are changed by observing our future self in that moment. You talk about obviously formal education and the importance of it. And then you just kind of referenced the free will aspect. Now, a lot of times through education, we're taught and not to go the whole military route, but yes, sir, no, sir, following rules, following, and not so much to, to think on our own and be as creative. And yes, we have the creative side with the arts and stuff like that. And how do you, how do you think we should teach younger kids to be able to think on their own? But sometimes that goes against the formal education of obviously math and science is right and wrong. It's, it's, and there's facts in there. So you can't be as creative in an in environment like that. But having your own say in that free will to to move on and, and do something in bigger and not so much I mean, be able to color outside the lines every now and then. And how should we incorporate something like that into education so people can realize they can do something outside of the norm? You both have brilliant questions, and I'm really thankful for the questions that you asked because it gives us a chance to really delve deep into what can be improved so we can move forward in a great way. In the educational systems, I, I, as a person who is, has been teaching as a part-time math professor for years at colleges and understand how people think, I think the biggest ability that we have as a nation, as well as educators, is to recognize that people think differently. Not everyone is going to come to the same result, and they're not going to think about it in the same way. Yes, there is one answer, and there's usually one answer in mathematics specifically, in science, but there's different ways that you get to that same answer. Everyone thinks differently. And the reason why that is, is because people's brains are hardwired differently. Every single neuron and every dendrite, like for example, in the brain, one dendrite, which is like the connection between the different cells in the brain, one dendrite alone houses more information than the entire World Wide Web. And we have billions of these dendrites in our brain. So every single one of us has a different way that our brain is structured, but we can learn equally the same. And it doesn't matter what everyone's background is. It doesn't matter if someone's ethnicity, it doesn't matter someone's age. All that matters is recognizing that we each think differently. And when we can respect the differences in how we think, but still provide a platform and a foundation on how to get to the answer, then we'll be successful. For example, if we look at educational systems as providing structure, meaning understanding how time works, uh, working on a different, uh, working at making sure everyone's there at a certain time, making sure everyone understands what the rules are of the organization, making sure people can uh, follow those rules and explain it as what you, we're doing right now is helping you learn a system. The, you're not just following the rules, what you're doing is learning how to follow any system. So when you go into any environment, you'll be able to master the system. And so if you describe it as that's the reason why we have rules, like for example, the reason why people go to college isn't necessary and get there for your degree isn't necessarily because of the 
the education that they receive, because education changes and updates continuously every single year. It's the ability to relearn and learn things that are new and throw out the fake news and actually find out the research and get what's real. That college degree is a sign that you understand the system of learning, understanding that you can go through and master any system and learn it because you've had to do that for four years at a university. So when people describe it like that, like when you're learning rules in school, it's so you learn any system. When you get your degree, it's because you can relearn anything. What you're doing is you're training your brain to be able to function in a certain way. So you can even create your own system, create your own company, create your own um, corporation. Amazon started off in a little garage. It had to create its own algorithms. It had to find its own rules. So when we look at education as this is setting you up to be able to do greater things once you are out, I think that's when we will succeed. Yeah. I like how you described it as learning a system. And you mentioned how like education is always changing. An example is I, I graduated in high school in 94. I went to a tech school and I took drafting when it was done with pencils on big sheets of paper. And oh. I, went, I, went, I went to college for a couple of years. And then when I went to go back into looking at drafting, in those two years, it was now 80% done with CAD. So everything oh, yeah. I had learned two years prior on how to do it with a pencil on a piece of paper was pretty much irrelevant. I mean, now I'd have to learn the system where if you stayed with it, like you said, learning a system and being able to apply things. And I've said the same thing. I was just actually on the phone with an insurance company uh, about liability insurance with coaching. And they, and there's like, Oh, but your page has this and it has that and it has that. Yeah. But if you read the caption, it all has to do with coaching and mindset and the same mindset that I teach in Archer is the same mindset that my brother would work with his sales team. It's that mindset is the same thing. Um, a good, good Ted talk for you to look up is look up hack schooling. It's like a 13 year old boy, long blonde hair with like a pink, knit hat on and it's one of my favorite i've watched it a bunch of times hack schooling and it's a it's a teenager giving the talk and it talks about education and how he hacked his education he's homeschooled and how he does all different things it's an amazing thing about how education should be oh yeah education is, is education is tough education is one of the toughest things to complete and i people People, there's like, I think there's a, last time I heard the statistic, uh, it was 10% of the US population actually goes and gets a higher degree other than high school, just 10% and actually complete it. And it, it's not a high wow. percent the last time I checked. So it's like, we have, we have so many smart people out there. We have like brilliant people. And I think once people, find out how to master a system. And that's what education is, mastering a system to make sure that everything checks out so you actually get your degree. Once we can master that system, we can literally master any type of system. And so that's, I'm a big proponent for education because that changed my life. And um, as a result, I have the Olympia LaPointe Science Scholarship at California State University Northridge to help the other people 
uh, like myself go through school and complete the degree? Because there's many people that do not know that financial aid is available, do not know that certain school loans are forgivable, that do not know that there's resources to actually get help. They don't even know about math tutoring that's available on campus that's free of charge on most campuses. So with, when you learn systems, you learned about what the system offers you. Like most, like as an example, when you see people go into the corporate world later on and they are hired into a company, what's the first thing they ask? What are the benefits? Because they're finding out how the system can, what the system can offer them. So that same type of thinking can be taught to people who are younger. How's, what is the system going to offer you so you can take it with you for the future? That's okay. such a smart way to think about it too, is like the system. Because a lot of people aren't really thinking about that when they're like applying to school or college, or maybe some people are, but now that I think about it, like when I went to college, I wasn't, I don't think I fully had grasped that. And I think that's a really good point for people to know. And just to switch gears a little bit, you know, it's easy for some people, especially with like something that you've been through, you've been through a lot in your life and we can fall into that victim mindset, quote unquote. And I think every single person we know has done it. Like there's nobody on this earth that's like, no, I've never been a victim. But for somebody who can't like, for example, manifest because they're stuck in that mindset, maybe consciously they're like, oh, I want to attract this in my life. But unconsciously, their conscious and their unconscious isn't linked in the same way. So what would you suggest to them that they could practice maybe like a daily practice in their life so they could rewire their mindset? Uh, listening to yourself. When we don't listen to ourselves, we expect someone else to have the answer for us instead of us finding it and being led to it. Yeah. And I went through a lot of emotional and physical trauma when I was younger. And if, if you watch my talk, it was at, uh, it was a TED-like talk at California State University in Northridge where my second book, Answers Unleashed, The Science of Unleashing Your Brain's Power. In that book, I talk about how the most traumatic situations can actually be beneficial. And one of the most traumatic situations for me was I was um, sexually assaulted when I was eight years old by a, 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 a person who pretended to be a family friend. And a lot of people, a lot of women go through that and they don't, don't talk about it. And it's this yeah. shame that's uh, associated with it. And it's estimated that one out of four women in the United States goes through that and they, they, they don't never talk about it and they never talk about it. And then what happens is that they learn to not trust themselves after that. And when you don't trust someone, let's say it's somebody that uh, you encountered. If you don't trust someone, you're not going to listen to them. When we go through really tough situations, whether it be anything really tough like that, whether it be as dramatic as what I went through, or even uh, a divorce, or you're seeing your parents divorce, or, or failing grades, or anything else like that, you begin to not trust yourself, and then you don't listen to yourself. And you, okay. I'm a strong believer that we have we have this spirit. And it's like the spirit, every single one of us has this beautiful spirit. And this beautiful spirit always guides us to what's best. 
And we each, each of us have this ability to listen to this spirit, this holy type of spirit that reminds us who we are, reminds us what we're capable of doing, and reminds us that no matter what, it's going to be okay because it's all going to work out. When we learn to listen to that inner voice that we each have, every single one of us have it, and it comes to us in different ways. Some people uh, hear it, some people feel it in their gut, some people kind of see visions of what would be great, some people just kind of know this, this type of guidance. When we start to listen to that, and we start not, not automatically looking at situations as horrible or what could go wrong next, but rather what could go right next, and what could lead me to that right next step. When we start listening to the voice that guides us in the direction that we feel uplifted, immediately we start to trust ourselves. And we, each time that we listen to that interior voice that we each have, and every single interior voice is unique, and it's always the voice that is very calm, very reassuring. And when you hear it, you just kind of, you feel like you can breathe. That's, that's how you know. So when you have that ability to, to follow that interior guidance, you begin to trust yourself in such a profound way that each time you listen, your trust builds in yourself, your trust builds in your decision-making. And you start to realize that your life is not like anyone else's life. Like for example, when I was in college, I remember looking at all the, uh, all the other people going out to the different parties when I was in school, like the freshman and, and the sophomore, they would go out to parties during the all night. And I had, well, I was studying math and math and science courses. You typically have to study three times as longer for those type of courses in college just to pass the class. And I remember seeing the people just go outside and, and, and have fun. And I thought, oh, I want to be outside like them, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I heard this just interior voice that said, that's all right. That's all right. You'll experience that. Just focus on this book, right? Just, just learn this page. All you have to do is just learn this page, understand this one page. And I just listened to it. And at times I felt like, I'm not like experiencing the same thing as everyone else. <laughs> but my life was not like everyone else's. I had to listen to that voice that showed me my life wasn't the same as everybody else's life. I had a unique calling. You have a unique calling. If the listeners that are listening to this, you have a unique calling that is unlike anybody on this face of this planet. And you have a certain calling on your life. It's time to actually start listening to what that calling is. So deep and profound and beautiful. I could listen to you like all day. <laughs> you mentioned trusting yourself and, and believing in yourself. And I think I read at one point you you struggled with math. Now you yes. mentioned you mentioned seeing the machines and the engines and you knew that's the way you wanted to go. How did you fight through that math struggle and didn't say, you know what, maybe a different route is the way for me to go. And when you were having such a difficulty on the core that you needed to go that route, at what point did you start to trust that you can get through it and, and make it through that, even though you had a struggle in the beginning? Mm, because there's oh, no yeah. shame in switching to something else. And 
And I mean, maybe you then went and designed the exterior of NASA space shuttles instead of the the guts of it. And <laughs> you'd still be in the same field, but doing a different part of the project. What made you push through and, and trust yourself that you could get through it, even with those struggles in the beginning? Um, I struggled. And at first, I almost didn't go into it. Um, I loved at the age of six, I loved it. And then at the age of nine, I saw the Challenger explosion. I thought I have to be, someone has to be in there and I want to be in there to help people like survive this Challenger explosion. And, but then I started failing math and I failed algebra. I failed geometry. I failed calculus and I failed chemistry. And the reason was, is that anytime a student goes through anything psychologically traumatic, uh, their emotional side takes over and that activates the reptilian part of the brain. It's like where the base of the spine connects to the skull. That's where the reptilian part of the brain is. And the reptilian part of the brain is responsible for the fight, flight, or freeze response. Like if you see a spider, you either run from it, you fight it, which is try and stomp on it, or you uh, freeze, fight it, or run from it, flee. And so um, when someone goes through emotional torment or trauma, what happens is that they freeze up or fight or, or um, just completely become unable to make decisions. And when someone is able to make decisions and someone finds answers, that deals with the executive part of the mind, which is also called the frontal brain lobes. And so if someone's brain connects with being able to see the, the future, being able to see the potential, that connects both the left and right side of the brain and that turns off the fear and that actually turns on the creative mind, which then turns on the decision-making power and it turns on our decision. And then we start realizing we have a choice and we can move forward. Well, in my case, I was going through such emotional trauma at home and, and, and my school and it, it was just really tough, really tough. And I started failing. And the fear part of my brain was turning on. And anytime fear turns on in the, in the brain, it cuts off the frontal brain lobe so we can't make decisions. So the trick is ending the fear or moving through the fear so you start making decisions. Because every single one of us is going to experience fear. The trick is pushing through that moment to get to the other side. That's the trick. And so for me, I did not... Uh, I, I did not feel proud of myself when I failed these classes and I turned to escape when how I escaped is I was at a performing arts school and I was trained at the Alexander Hamilton performing arts school and it was led by the now famous producer Jim Burke who's uh, who is in charge of participant media and was part of podcast one and everything and so what I did is I threw myself into acting and theater so I could forget about the fact that I was not doing well in school. And I thought, well, I could make a, I could be a start a career as a performer instead of science if I'm like failing all these math classes, right? So I was about to go that route and then reality hit where I realized uh, more than likely I would not have a stable job in the future after graduating if I solely went into entertainment and 
if I didn't have something to fall back on. And so I'm like, well, what could I do in order to just to, to take care of myself in the future? And then that's when the miracle happened. I didn't have income to do basic things like simple income. Like some people take for granted paper when they are in school, like they have enough paper and, and they have pencils and pens. When someone's in poverty, they don't have that. They don't have those resources. And so um, I remember a teacher offering uh, the students to be able to come to the campus during the winter break and offer free tutoring for them. And I remember jumping at that opportunity because I, my family didn't have money for uh, tutoring at all. And he was going to volunteer his time. And I caught the bus two hours each way to, to get tutoring from him. And it was in that moment of time that I realized the only one stopping me was myself because I chose to hold on to the fear that I was going to continue failing. If I could push through that fear and keep learning math and believe that eventually I would one day get it, I could then feel good about myself. And it was in that moment of sitting with him and really investigating my own mind, why I would come to certain conclusions. And it was, it was simple math tutoring. And that's what the crazy thing was. It was simple math tutoring, but it caused me to go inside my own thinking, inside my own mind. And I had to ask myself, why do I keep making the same mistake? Why? And when I found out, and it was something very similar, it, it was, <laughs> this was the epiphany moment for me. When I found out that the term derivative was the same thing as the slope of the tangent line, the instantaneous rate of change, and the definition of derivative, it was the same thing. It was just called differently. It was that, that moment in time, that was aha moment where I realized there's things in life that are the exact same, but they're called differently. Woo! There's things in life that they are the exact same, the exact same pattern, the exact same operation, but it's different. You see it in one field and it's the exact same in another field, another career. It is one phenomenon that happens over in one area of the world and it's the exact same phenomenon that happens in another. It is the same problem over and over again, but people simply just name it differently. And that was my epiphany moment it was like, if I could just understand the pattern and recognize that the same thing is happening over and over and over again. And if I could just pick up the pattern to see what is really happening, I'm gonna overcome my fear. And that's what I decided to do. I started to look at life as a way of, how is this pattern something in which I've seen before? If I found the answer to it before, I can find the answer to it again. And that changed the way I saw myself. And it did take time to eventually take, pull my scores up. But now I had the confidence to realize I could solve a problem and it wasn't just math. Wow. Journey to yourself, right? It's that, that journey to yourself. Uh, you know, back up when you went to the, to the art school. And so you let your creative side out and we already mentioned how like math and science is a matter of fact, it's, I mean, 
a given, this is the only possible answer. Does the creative side that's in you, do you get to use that at all in the science aspect? And you can see, obviously, we pointed out the instruments behind me. So I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for the arts, um, as well as coaching, and I, I can blend those together. Do you get to use that creative side in you? Or was that just a temporary thing while you went through that portion of school? Or do you still go back to that side? Oh, once you're a performer, you're always a performer. <laughs> once, And what I learned is that music and math are like identical in the brain. I, I'm going to use that one. Uh, right after high school, I, I went back to my high school and I was substitute teaching for a while. And I went into a, the, it was the resource room where they needed me one day and I'm in there and one of the students recognized me. I didn't recognize him. And he's like, oh, are you still in drum corps? I'm like, yeah. And what about your brother? How's your brother doing? He, and I still couldn't recognize this kid. He was having trouble reading a ruler. I mean, he just couldn't read an actual ruler. I said, you said you're still in drum corps, right? He said, yeah. I said, you play drums, right? So I wrote up on top, I wrote a whole note and broke it down and wrote a quarter note and half notes and eighth notes. And then I lined it up with the drawing of a ruler underneath it. When I was done with him, he was able to read a ruler. And like the other teacher that was in the class was like shocked that I got him. I mean, they struggled getting him to read a ruler, but I took, I mean, if you take four, four time in a ruler and whole half quarter, eight, sixteenths, it breaks down the same. And now he can read a ruler because he knows how to read music. Yes. And that's, and you, you mastered that thinking process he solved the problem on how to play the drums so when he applied that same answer to reading a ruler it came yeah and that that's like the that is the concept of innovation if we can apply the pattern and the answer that exists somewhere else to somewhere that is completely seeming completely like 100 different but if we can apply it and we may come up with an answer in another area that will work. And so that's the whole concept of innovation, of being able to see the patterns over and over in life again, but just naming it, naming the answers differently. And that's really cool about your background about music. Cause when I first got on the podcast, I was like, what is in the background? I was so excited yeah, right. to hear your musical <laughs> instruments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my escape room. Yes. This is all, all the instruments, the computers, the photography stuff. So that that's my yes. art side. Yes. And how I get a chance to use my uh, creative side is I speak. And a lot of people, uh, like when you're in performing arts, oh, I was in a performing arts. So I learned how to dance. I learned how to sing. I learned how to act. And all of that actually goes into my ability to be a keynote speaker. Because when I'm, especially before the pandemic, after the pandemic, of course, everything is virtual now, but on, on stage before the pandemic, I would use those same skills with my voice. I would emphasize stories and pause certain places and bring my voice up high to talk about something and then bring it down low to really draw in a point. And it's still this voice control. The timing is still the same. Like the, the way in which I would dance, then it would transfer over to how I would tell the stories on the stage and where I'd stand on the stage to emphasize a point. So it's the same type of creative aspect of taking it, but now I'm taking it and describing science in a way that people wouldn't necessarily think of being exciting, but now they do because it's delivered in a way that they can understand. All right. You're talking technical, okay. but you're, you're giving it out in, in, in an artistic way. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, I, and I've always said that there's another great podcast about how every coach can use a coach. And if you go back and I'm not recommending you do this to our first, second, and maybe third podcast one, my technical editing wasn't great. And, and you can see the two of us kind of like tripping over our tongues here and there, and it's a lot more smoother now. And she's making faces at me, um, <laughs> but I, I have two friends again, go back to the, the intro in the beginning one. I have a friend who I played in a band with one of the best drummers I've ever played, but he's a DJ now. So he recorded our intro. If you, if you happen to listen to any of our podcasts, the intro that's not either of our voices is my friend who's a DJ. So it has that nice polished sound to it. I have another friend who back in our high school days, we did those first night things that were the kids new year's things, with no alcohol and stuff. And she sang there and she still sings and teaches theater. So I spoke to her about how to use the voice. Like you said, up using the ups, the highs and lows and moving back and forth from the mic to get the different sounds and, and so using that stuff I mean, has definitely helped here. Well, you both have beautiful accents, by the way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I have an accent to you too, but I mean. <laughs> no, you have a beautiful voice. Thank it's you. like very just like calming. Well, like there's you. this calming presence I feel with you like right here, thank right you. now. Well, I've had to work on it for myself. I had to calm myself. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's gone to everybody else. But uh, you guys, yeah, I hear your voices. I, I, Backies, I, oh, Beck, where are you from? Uh, where, where are both of your voices? Where your, where's the vernacular, I should say, come from your voices? I'm curious. Oh, I've never been asked that. I don't even know. I mean, my parents are from India, but I was born here. So I don't know. I don't, I've never been yeah, asked I'm, that. I'm, <laughs> and I'm second generation. My grandparents are from Portugal. My my wife is my wife is from Portugal, so if you hear her talk, although she gets a lot of people saying she's from New York, but I mean, but she's got the 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 Portuguese accent. Oh wow! But I know. I mean, so I know in in New England. So we're talking Connecticut, Rhode Island, Mass, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. If you're not in Connecticut, people will tell you what a Connecticut accent sounds like. But obviously, the strong accent two hours north is Boston. That's going to have that Pakicon, Harvard Yard. And then you got the whole New York, I mean, strong Brooklyn accent from there. So it's like you got, we have the extremes in one way and then the other way. And I don't know where Connecticut has an accent, but if you're not from one of those two, they, for some reason, they can pick out a Connecticut accent. It was the same thing. And what's yeah. your, it was, what's your background, Olympia? Like, where's your family from originally? I, I am Native American. <laughs> yeah, people are like, oh, wow. yeah, and, and um, I was raised by my mom. My mom is French and Native American. And my dad, I, I met him a couple of times in my life and I, I didn't have a strong relationship with him. Uh, he's since passed away, uh, but he had a, uh, Af like uh, his family was from uh, British Guiana in South America. And then, um, and then, so his his background was like British and like indigenous of South America and like African from like the Caribbean and and so it was like a very mixed background that he had and then my mom is very mixed and so as a result I I relate to everybody so <laughs> I, I just look at no, I love as that. a woman of color. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, do, you speak, do you speak French? Yes, I do. I do. Because my my wife picks on me because she's from Lisbon, the capital of Portugal. Oh, my wow. my grandparents are from the Azores, and which are the islands off of Portugal, where it, I guess at one time France controlled the islands. 
where when Portugal came in and took over the islands, the Portuguese language came in, but the French accent stayed. So the ah. little Portuguese that I speak, she'll say, you speak like you have potatoes in your mouth. So she'll pick on me with the <laughs> with my accent, because even though I speak it very little, I still have the accent from growing up around my my grandparents. Oh, that is so cool. So, yeah. a, so cool. A, a photo of my son, who definitely has the Portuguese side. Uh, I got into too much glare. Everyone oh, sees wow, everyone cool. sees this picture and they ask if he's Native American because he's got the long, I mean, he's got the ponytail that goes halfway down his back. And and I can see it in this where they can see like where where he might be Native hmm. American. Yeah, people will mistake Native American for a lot of things. They'll they'll be like, uh, like Native American is the culture, Native American French is the culture I relate to the most because my mom is the one that raised me, of course. And so a lot of people will mistake Native American for anything. I would have been mistaken for, you name the different type of cultures. And it's like, uh, when people really look at my features, like my cheekbone and then like my forehead and everything else like that, and like my, especially my profile. And in my book, um, I talk about, uh, my ancestors really understood how energy worked and how healing energy works. And so what I decide to do is look at that energy in the way of how can we use our thinking as a way to we heal our mind? How can we use our thinking in a way where we heal our opportunities? And, and so as a scientist, uh, I, I'm also a person of facts and, and of data and of, of concrete proof. So of course, I'm having this theory in my head about how we make decisions in what I call quantum deciding, meaning we make decisions independent of, of time. We make decisions based on communicating with our past selves and envisioning and observing our future self. And as a result, we are able to make effective decisions faster in the moment by connecting these versions of ourselves so we really find out the direction that we want to go to. And in that theory, it, in, it includes Albert Einstein's types of um, quantum entanglement, uh, which means that, that you can be connected uh, from what, what you observe, you know, and that was also Schrodinger's type of uh, Schrodinger's um, thought process. And then I also connect it with how energy, uh, if we look at like yoga and we look at mindfulness, there's the seven energy centers in the body where the energy centers rotate in a certain direction and, and mindfulness is being able to realize how all your energy works together in harmony so you're at peace in yourself. And then in the Native American culture, healers, what they do is understand that we have the energy systems not only inside of us, but we actually have it around us as well. So the indigenous healers are people who are able to see that the we have energy systems around us. And if one of them is off, then that throws our entire experience off. And as we start learning what these energy systems are and, and healing these energy systems per the indigenous cultures, then we start uh, reclaiming our path in life. And, and healing our soul. And that's the indigenous way of looking at it. So I combine these type of concepts from science and concepts from my indigenous background and understanding how energy works in general and created the theory quantum deciding. And I gave a talk at California State University Northridge uh, with the with this, this deep concept and, and showed this groundbreaking science theory, this like, this kind of like a 
decision-making science uh, to people. And in doing that, I showed how all these systems are the same, but they're just named differently. It is the same answer, it's just named differently. And I show that the energy systems that are around us are our decisions. When someone makes a great decision, have you ever seen them kind of like glow? You're like, oh, that person is glowing. Or like you've seen someone about to get married. Oh yeah, she has a glow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or to, yes. Or like about to have a baby. Oh yeah, yeah, she's glowing. Or you know how a guy, it, let's say a guy has just like formed his own company. It could be a guy or a girl. They form their own company and they just walk into this room and they just have that sense of power. You, you ever, ever seen that? It's because we're picking yeah. up the energy of their decisions. We're picking up the energy of their decisions. So when people make awesome decisions and really are thoughtful and they make really great choices, it shows and they draw in opportunities. And it's an energy system that exists on how we make decisions. And we make- That's connected with our higher self too, right? So it's like the highest version of ourselves when we make those decisions. That's why we're glowing. That's why we're manifesting or everything's in alignment. And so the native american culture would be like retrieving your soul back getting your life purpose back understanding what your road is the the science the the einstein and then would be talking about quantum entanglement being connected being able to communicate have a secure communication back and forth so you could always uh find out where you're going to be and then like the the meditation and the mindfulness is like okay getting that peace inside you to know that you're on the right track and it's the same thing called differently, but I decided to bring it all together and show it uh, how we have control over healing our lives through our decisions. Wow. Before you kind of mentioned, and I'm not going to even try to remember the terms you used, but all the, the different terms in math and science that you realized it's the same yeah. thing, but they use different terms in the different fields, but they all mean the same thing. And now you mentioned a lot of these answers and solutions are the same answer or solution, but they use different terms. So it sounds like we really have one question and one answer. And they, I mean, it's, we, we, what's the, what's the term where we, uh, they mix comp, complify it where yeah. instead of simplifying, we, we tend to make things <laughs> a little more, a little more, more complex, complicated than they need to be at times. And I'm going to go back and earlier you had mentioned, 10% go to higher education. So to sem somewhat defend the other possibly 90%, and we always look at higher education as the college degree. Uh, like I mentioned, I went to a tech school and back in the eighties, the tech school was for the kid that can't go to college. Now you see a lot of push and you see all the things all over Facebook and all over on TV that we need blue collar. I mean, you mentioned how much you like an engine. So most likely that mechanic that can rip your engine apart and put it back together doesn't have a college education, but he has other education that doesn't get factored into that formal education for some reason. And I have friends that own restaurants that went through the culinary arts program and, and garages and carpentry companies. And, and do you think it, we have an unfair stigma against the blue collar versus white collar? Oh, no, everybody's role in society is important. But Every like that 10%, person. that 10%, yeah. do we include enough 
of the blue collar people in that 10%. And maybe that number's more 30 or 40, even though it's just a certificate. And I say just in quotes and not a degree. Uh, the certificate is extremely important. Uh, for example, my mom went back to school at nighttime and got her um, restaurant management associates and arts degree. That's what she did. And, and culinary, she, she's over here going, and culinary. <laughs> she's telling me, don't worry, and culinary. <laughs> she got a culinary arts degree. She did not uh, graduate for, from a four-year institution, but I truly think that she's like a genius. I mean, I really do. And I, I truly believe that we have different types of talented people in our world. Every single person, every single type of thinking is valid and important. And I believe that the people that go to college, the 10%, they are the ones that master how systems can be created because they've had to navigate and actually find a way to, to sink or swim in that system. So each person has their gift that they bring to the world. The people who are go to college and, and have that 10%, they master systems so they could create foundations and frameworks for many people. So we each have our gifts and abilities and everyone's path is different. Not everybody is designed to go to certain places, but some people are. And so we have to really listen to ourselves to find out what is best for us. I, I wouldn't have been happy if I would have just completely um, decided not to go into science. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mentally challenged. Like my mom knew that from a very early age, my brain is hardwired where I like solving problems. I like challenge. I like, I'd like, I challenge myself on a daily basis. That's why I started my company. Everyone has a different way that they think. When we start finding out how we think and we start using our skills in a way in which contributes to society and in a way where we help other people with our gifts and abilities, that's when we are really walking our path. So going back, you had mentioned the most popular question was, how did you get out of the hood? You mentioned poverty. We pointed out how you struggled with math, but then went into a math and science field. So what would be your short and sweet answer to close the show for those people that are coming from a rough background or situation, or they want to go into a certain field, but they struggle when they first put their feet into it, what would be your, your short and sweet answer on, for someone that's dealing with that to hit their goals? I'm going to tell the audience, if you're going through a really tough time and you're struggling, I'm going to tell you what my mom told me. And she said this, honey, this is only temporary. There's much more waiting for you. This is only temporary. It's not designed to last forever. You'll get through this point and there's another side for you to look forward to. Get through this, stick to it and do everything you can in order to learn what you need to learn, communicate with who you need to talk to and start finding answers because you will get through this and whatever you're going through is simply temporary. I like that. Listen, like I said, I could listen all day. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, 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 thank you. 
Yeah, I enjoyed the conversation and I know I'll be binge watching some TED Talks. Oh yeah. This week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you well, I just put out a podcast today of uh if you if you guys get a chance to go to uh, answersunleashed.com slash podcast. I just put one out. I'm putting one out actually today and it's gonna go out at uh at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it is uh, going to be about quantum deciding. And it explains the Albert Einstein's theories of quantum entanglement. And it's, uh, it's really fascinating. And it talks about why we can actually make decisions and connect with ourselves in a powerful way. So yeah, if you love, if you love like- Yes, deep stuff, I'm gonna be subscribing. Yeah, it's just a simple <laughs> podcast, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, Coach Jay here. And as you've heard on the podcast, Shudi and I have multiple projects that we're working on. And I'd like to mention one of Shudi's other projects, Hey Beauty Mag. Discover how to reset and rejuvenate your mind to live the best life with women who are no longer afraid to share their failures that lead to success. Check them out on Instagram at HeyBeautyMag, that's H-E-Y-B-E-A-U-T-I-M-A-G, or check them out at HeyBeautyMag.com. Shift Mindset Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use as well as clients we have worked with, these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset, and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.